the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat with me, Janice Wong. And me, Mike Rouse. On today's program, we're talking about King Charles's cancer diagnosis and whether it may prompt more people to get checkups. No details have been released so far about what form of cancer he actually has, but the announcement of the diagnosis is a notable departure from the rather secretive approach regarding health issues among the royal family. When King Charles was treated for an enlarged prostate last month, the palace made it a point to say that he wanted to encourage other men who were experiencing symptoms to get a, to see a doctor. This led to a surge in searches on the condition. In Hong Kong, latest figures show the disease, as cancer, claimed the lives of around 15,000 people uh, in 2022, the leading cause of death in our city. So could King Charles's diagnosis help raise cancer awareness? Will it encourage more people to get potentially life-saving checkups? After 9.45, we'll look at a study that says we're using too many lice packets. We'd the- love to hear from you. Do call us anytime on 233-88266 and join in with our discussion. You can also WhatsApp us on 6899-8518 or comment on our Facebook page or email backchat at rthk.hk. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Alexandra Tracy, the chairperson of the Royal Commonwealth Society in Hong Kong. And later on in the program, we'll also be joined by Alex Lam, chairman of Patients' Voices and also a senior medical and health officer from the Department of Health. Good morning, Ms. Tracy, Mrs. Tracy. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, first of all, were you surprised by the King's openness about his health? Is this level of uh, transparency very unusual for the royal family? Well, it is very unusual compared to our past experience. Um, certainly, we had never had any public announcements about um, the Queen, the late Queen, his mother's health. Uh, in the final years of her life, uh, we were told only that she was suffering from what they said were mobility issues, so it was difficult for her to walk, and the official records say that she died of old age. And there has been some speculation that, in fact, she was suffering from cancer, but certainly that was never announced in those days. And previously, um, her father, King George VI, I think it's quite widely known now, that he suffered from lung cancer, but no announcement was ever made. I think cancer in particular is considered, was considered to be extremely frightening and it was a taboo and it wasn't discussed. And so, no, we see a, a very marked difference now from the way that uh, King Charles has chosen to deal with this, as you said in your introduction, to go public, first of all, to encourage other men potentially to get tested, and secondly, to open up more of a discussion and, uh, and make the, uh, the subject less taboo and much easier for people to deal with. Particularly, good morning, Alexander. Um, morning. Particularly for prostate cancer, a lot of men are concerned about this, especially when they reach a certain age in life. Um, but what kind of tests can they do to check? Now, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Not ever going to have to go through this myself. But um, I gather that in uh, men over 50, this is something that's extremely common. Um, the testing is relatively routine and, uh, and it's recommended that it's done regularly. What 
uh, King Charles went into hospital for originally was a benign prostate enlargement, which is non-cancerous, and that is apparently really quite common in men over 50. So it isn't something to be concerned about right. um, and can be dealt with in a very routine way. And we had quite a, quite a distinctive point, wasn't it? It's a prostate cancer, it's a prostate enlargement, but it's not cancer. Exactly. So it was quite a detailed report in that case. And I think that um, some people in the media were quite surprised in the UK that this level of detail um, was revealed. I think um, the words enlarged prostate have never been part of a, a, a royal proclamation previously. <laughs> but um, it, apparently it was very much deliberate. Um, the king, when he was Prince of Wales, was actively involved with a number of cancer charities. Um, so he's very familiar with the issues around this. And, uh, and it was, a, as I say, a very deliberate decision to go public and to encourage other people to have these routine tests and deal with these kind of issues before they become too dangerous. Right. Like uh, what you're talking about and what Mike was talking about, uh, King Charles was treated for an enlarged uh, prostate last month. And, uh, of course, it, it led to an increase in Internet searches on, on that condition. Um, do you think the latest cancer diagnosis will help increase people's awareness on cancer? Um, I can't see how it can fail to do that because at least in the UK and the Commonwealth it has been the top news for about the last week. So I think if nothing else it will certainly raise awareness of the fact that cancer is an issue, that uh, cancer is something that um, a great many people as they get older may face and that one of the most important uh, issues to deal with is to try and detect it early. What we understand is that um, Prince Charles's new diagnosis has actually been discovered at a very early stage and so he can be treated and um, the prognosis is very positive. Do you think uh, we're going to hear exactly what form of cancer he has? Um, that's a very interesting question. I think there will be increasing speculation in the media in the UK um, but I suspect that they will take it relatively slowly. Um, I think ever since 1953, when the cameras were allowed into the coronation for the very first time, um, it's been a very tricky balancing act for the royal family to right. become closer to the people, to allow them in, but also to maintain some privacy. And I think they will try and maintain some privacy for Prince Charles. Right. I mean, full um, marks to him for sort of saying, I'm going in for... a prostate, an enlarged prostate. I mean, that was revolutionary. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then to say, not say what form of cancer it was, kind of left us hanging like a whodunit. Well, I think probably he, King Charles, I should say, and, uh, and Queen Camilla themselves um, have only known this for about a week. They're probably processing it themselves. It can't be an easy um, thing to have heard and to understand that you're going to have to go through. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's not unreasonable for them to, to take it slowly and gradually. I mean, we're not at the point of the US, for example, where um, people feel they have every right to know the tiniest details um, of the health of their public servants. I mean, I, I just read something in the newspaper yesterday about um, Joe Biden's latest health check, which goes into extraordinary details and, uh, and even tells you what drugs he's taking for what ailments he has. So I don't think we've quite reached that point. Yeah, you're right, certainly right about the impact on publicity. I mean, it's been on the front page of the BBC website and also made it to the front uh, item on the CNN website. So it, yeah, Western yeah, journalists taking it very seriously and the openness. No, absolutely. And, and also all of the, um, the, the newspapers in, the, um, in New Zealand and Australia and Canada and, and you know, the various Commonwealth countries have all been following it very closely as well.
And why do you think the king has uh, chosen to be uh, so open about uh, his health this time? I mean, apart from increasing awareness, uh, what has changed, do you think, in the uh, royal family? Well, I think um, there has been a gradual move towards more openness, more transparency. I mean, clearly some of the older traditional habits have um, have been evolving. So I think that's part of it. Um, but I think probably the real driver, as I say, is, is a desire to encourage other men to get checked and to get diagnosed early so that they can be treated early. I see Harry's flown in to be with his dad. Um, do you think that could lead to a rapprochement? Well, I understand that uh, they had quite a quick meeting and he hasn't met any other members of the family, so I don't think we should read too much into it yet. But obviously it would be, it would be a lovely thing if this brought them back together. All right. And of course, um, can, you, can you tell us a bit about the reaction to this news maybe in, uh, in the UK? I mean, apart from uh, increasing awareness, it has also uh, attracted a lot of attention on the waiting time for cancer treatment at the NHS, hasn't it? Um, I think it has. Yes, I think that's fair to say. The, um, the NHS reported uh, that the day after the announcement of the cancer diagnosis, um, its own webpage, which offers advice on how to deal with an enlarged prostate, uh, had more than 10 times the number of visitors that it would on a, a previous day. Um, and so obviously the raising awareness had, had begun in full force. I think the uh, NHS clearly has some resource constraints in dealing with all of those extra patients. But the fact that uh, people are coming forward and, and, and thinking about right. this issue is a positive thing. But of course, going to a website is easy because everyone can do it at the same time. <laughs> getting in to see a doctor is, is a different issue. Um, there was a piece in the paper this morning um, about the uh, number of people who were now going to private clinics in the UK. Yeah, I guess that's an extra... I, on your point about testing, I mean, I have a, a blood test every six months, which ha this has a, is one element of it, but mm. only one element. And I, all I can say to the listeners is uh, get out there and do it. Yes, and that's the message that's come, I think, from Buckingham Palace and from everybody who's been around us. All right. Can you, can you tell us a bit, a bit more about uh, the, the reaction so far in the UK to uh, this news? Do, do most people support it? I mean, do most people welcome it? Or are there people who, who share different views? I think most people are um, very shocked and, and, and very supportive and wish him well. Um, he's uh, been the king for just over a year. He had great plans. Um, to, to, to make changes and to, to do things and also particularly to, uh, to travel around the Commonwealth. He's supposed to be visiting Canada, Australia, New Zealand this year, going to Samoa for the Commonwealth um, Heads of State meeting. Um, that, that was very high on his priority list. So I think people are concerned to see whether those plans might have to change um, or you know, be postponed. Right. Or, or, will much, or will William come out now a bit more? Well, I, I suspect that um, William absolutely will have to step into the into the breach. Um, King Charles actually um, attended a Commonwealth Heads of State meeting towards the end of the late Queen's life when she was unable to travel. So we might see William coming to Samoa in his place. All right. And of course, earlier you, you talked about uh, um, how the royal family, they were more secretive in, in dealing with their health news uh, before, uh, for example, King George VI. You talked about that. Can you, can you tell us a, a bit more about it? How, how were they secretive back then? I mean, it was like 72 years ago, right? 
well, before before this announcement, really, um, the uh, health of the monarch or senior members of the royal family um, was not discussed in public. And um, I mean, George the Sixth was a heavy smoker, as anyone who's watched The Crown will know all about. Um, and uh, he was quite unwell for the latter part of his life. He had um, very major surgery in 1951 to remove one lung, um, and that was kept extremely private. Um, his physicians did not inform the medical um, uh, network as a, as a whole. It was not made public, and apparently even the king himself was not uh, given a diagnosis of cancer at that point. Um, right. And then he died. Um, five months later in 1952, and it came, I think, as quite a shock to the public. Um, but they were never, um, they were never told that he had cancer. Do you do you um, think the popularity of the Crown TV series, um, which sort of lifted uh, quite a lid on a number of aspects uh, of the of the family, do you think that may have <clears throat> played a part in the decision to come out a bit more? That's <laughs> great. Um, it's, it's a possibility. I think, um, as a member of the royal family, the, uh, the crown must be something that uh, they have very mixed feelings about as a TV show. I mean, we're told some of them have watched it, some of them haven't. I think uh, most of us uh, understand that a great deal of it is fiction, um, and we have to bear that in mind. But I think, yes, probably having had such a spotlight put mm. on the family in that way, it might well have influenced them. Well, I took it all as gospel. <laughs> now, now, Mike. <laughs> all right, all right, Mrs. Tracy. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Alexandra Tracy, the chairperson of the Royal Commonwealth Society in Hong Kong. And uh, you're listening to Back Chat. This morning, we're talking about cancer awareness and whether the recent cancer diagnosis of Britain's King Charles will encourage more people to get potentially life-saving checkups. Let us know what you think. You can give us a call on two three three eight eight two six six, or you can WhatsApp us on six eight nine nine. And uh, joining us our discussion now is Alex Lam, the chairman of Patients' Voices. Good morning, Mr. Lam. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so our guest, uh, Alexandra Tracy, who joined us uh, earlier, said she believed the cancer diagnosis of King Charles will help increase uh, awareness on the disease. Uh, what's your view on that? Well, certainly. Um, everyone, uh, not just in the, the country, in the United Kingdom, was uh, well, well aware of this um, uh, sad news, uh, but um, people in Hong Kong will, will, will have a notice of this as well. Um, so instead of uh, hoping him a, a speedy recovery, we, we hope that uh, this incident will, will help uh, um, people to get uh, a more a higher attention of um, having this uh, diagnosis as early as possible. Well, King Charles uh, is not young. Uh, that uh, he he's seventy something. He's seventy five. Uh, he's exactly two months older than me. So <laughs> I, I, I track his life and health experiences for this reason. See what's coming next. Yes, you, you should. Yeah. Well, not only you, but everyone uh, should um, get um, high attention uh, about this because uh, we are seeing a, um, a tendency that um, most of the. Um, uh, cancers um, uh, affecting younger population, um, not just the, the elderly. So we should be prepared. And, and it seems the government is doing something about um, uh, having some sponsorship to help people to do uh, undergo uh, examination as early as possible. 
think, uh, the advantage. Yes. I was going to say, what are the most common forms of cancer for men and women? Because I think they differ slightly. Well, um, well, uh, uh, well. In, in general, <clears throat> in general, in, in Hong Kong, lung cancer is the the the, the biggest killer, and um, the 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 runners up are, uh, as we all know, uh, colon, uh, cervical, um, uh, breast, um, prostate, etc., uh, yeah. stomach. Yes. Um, uh, so so almost every organ you have will have the um, um, potential of getting cancer. Skin cancer also kills people. So um, this this um, reminds us that um, when you are reaching certain age, like 30 or 40, you, you have to uh, undergo certain uh, body check or examination to, to, to see if you are affected by certain mm -hmm. uh, cancer. The government's got a special program, hasn't it, to assist people uh, to get a check for rectal cancer, but um, uh, what, what can you do about lung cancer? Well, lung cancer is, um, is um, I mean, checking. something that, um, well, checking is, is sometimes difficult, but because the symptom is sometimes not really um, uh, obvious, that right. uh, people will, will sometimes uh, overlook uh, the symptoms and um, it actually kills my mother-in-law who passed away just last week uh, after uh, having a lung cancer. Uh, but um, she found out two, uh, two years ago uh, after a series of um, um, treatments, uh, drugs, chemo, um, and, and et cetera. Um, still, you know, she has to struggle for two years. So, so for lung cancer, sometimes you have to uh, make early detection. Say, for example, if you find something, um, you know, um, wrong with uh, with yourself, coughing or ch chest pain, then you better go see a GP as soon as possible and, and find out if um, there's any wrong about the, the lung or any other uh, uh, problem. Because uh, sometimes if you have a chest pain, it may be associated with a heart uh, disease. All right. Very, very sorry to hear about uh, your uh, mother-in-law there. And uh, of course, uh, Mr. Lam, you are in contact with many patients, and uh, I guess uh, some of them are cancer patients, right? Uh, sorry. Uh, I which, guess you're. you're I guess you're in contact with many patients, including cancer patients, right? Yes. Yes. Um, can Can you share some of their experience? Did, did many of them find out about their illness through uh, screening or, or health checks? Well, um, well, some of them, luckily, they, they um, took part in their own um, examination by paying a private clinic and get their body check and they find out um, as soon as possible. Like um, my mother, she joined um, a government-sponsored scheme and uh, had the um, breast cancer detected uh, much earlier. So uh, it was um, removed and she's still uh, living happily. And it was uh, about five years ago. And um, she's eighty something, approaching ninety. So we we, we sometimes we uh, citizens will have um, their own responsibility of having their body checked. Uh, of course, the, the government can have a, a role to play by sponsoring, by um, encouraging uh, people to do this examination. I was just looking at Doctor Google before the show started, and I think for men. Prostate is number three, 
and but number three for women is breast cancer. Do we know uh, anything whether th there's some hereditary factor in this? Uh, well, I, I'm not a doctor. I cannot say for sure and uh, give a uh, untruthful or um, right. You know. Uh, uh, We've got, we've got a doctor uh, coming on uh, after 9.30. Yes, yes, Mike, don't worry. Our doctor. Yes, yes. But, but having said that, uh, I think um, early detection will have uh, its uh, merits by um, saving the, the cause in the uh, later stage, not just for the people having these uh, troubles, but the, the government, because uh, the Hong Kong government is uh, putting so much money on the public health care. Uh, so if if uh, Hong Kong people can get an early detection, early treatment, not only they, they you know they save their lives, but also saving a lot of money for the government and the the, the health system can be used for a uh, uh, better place for uh, other people. Right, right. Mr. Lam, uh, you yes. yeah, you talked about uh, lots of uh, different screening uh, programs that the government uh, is providing. For example, colorectal and cervical cancer. Um, do you think? Uh, the public is uh, well aware of these screening programs. Do you think uh, more should be done to promote these programs? Well, um, well, I, I think I, I cannot say that the promotion is not sufficient. As as I, as far as I know, I, I'm aware, fully aware of this uh, sponsor schemes and people. Uh, government has been doing a lot of this, and actually, they they have done this uh, started this a uh, long time ago. And and apparently the the number of people joining this scheme is is quite um, quite uh, a lot, um, and and I I'm sure the the scheme saves lives, but of course Hong Kong people will uh, you know they are always busy they always uh, find time for some other things, uh, but they put uh, health uh, not as number one. Um, so, um, I mean, um, we, we, we should, uh, as uh, we all know, the, the King Charles is having this problem that uh, you should remind people that uh, you may not be so lucky as the king <laughs> or his majesty of having the best treatment in the country. Um, so you should be, um, you know, doing something right. about yourself, uh, getting a poli an insurance policy or getting uh, this uh, test or screening as early right. as possible. Uh, but apart from being too busy, uh, what are the other factors that are deterring people from getting uh, getting checkups or, or getting cancer screening? I, I think cost is uh, the other concern because uh, comparing to, to other places or countries, the medical cost in Hong Kong is so huge that, um, well, uh, I, I have information, may, may not be true, but if you undergo uh, examination, like MRI, this sort of expensive uh, treatments uh, or screening it, uh, in, in Hong Kong, that uh, you may be paying one third or a quarter of the cost in uh, some other uh, Asia Pacific country like Thailand, uh, South Korea, uh, etc. Yeah. So, so cost may be one concern, and, and dental service in, in mainland China is so cheap that, uh, of course, uh, we, we don't know, we, we cannot compare. And uh, but but cost is the uh, number one concern that uh, people would rather use, you know use the money on on other, you know, way instead of a, a problem that they they do not see in the near future. So Thailand advertises quite aggressively to get patients over there. Um, well, I, I do see, yeah, yeah, I do see advertisement about this um, um, on the public media that um, they offer um, 
a very attractive uh, package that uh, you stay in the hospital for a couple of days, you undergo all kinds of examinations, and you get a report, uh, you know, in, in the days while you're, you know, shopping around city of Bangkok. Uh, it's quite attractive um, program that uh, people rather, you know, um, they enjoy holiday while they do examination, a very attractive course. Um, um, yes, but but still, you, you have to, um, um, we, we are not pushing on the people to, to undergo all this examination uh -huh. in, in other places because uh, there may be some other concern. All right. Uh, but so basically, the key is to get screened and get uh, get your checkups as uh, early as possible, as uh, regular as possible, right? Uh, thanks again, yes. Mr. Lam, for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Alex Lam, Chairman of Patients Voices. Um, and uh, we're about to take a short break for the news. After the news, in around two minutes' time, we'll be joined by Dr. Eric Lam, Senior Medical and Health Officer for Disease Prevention at the Department of Health. And after 9.45, we'll look at Greener's Actions' latest survey on Lysi Pack. If you have any questions for our guests or just want to share your views on today's topics, do give us a call on 233-88266. You can almost WhatsApp us uh, on 68998518, comment on our Facebook page or email backchat at rthk.hk. Now here's a quick look at the weather. Cloudy and cold with a few rain patches. Daytime temperature will range from 11 to 13 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees lower in the New territories. Winds moderate to fresh north to northeasterlies. The very cold weather warning is currently in force and at the moment it's 13 degrees, relative humidity 89%. It's now 9.30 with a news summary. Here's Haley Yip. The U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has said that Hamas's counterproposals for Gaza ceasefire and hostage deal have created the space for an agreement to be reached. His words during a visit to Israel contrasted with those of his host, Benjamin Netanyahu, who has again vowed to destroy Hamas. President Biden has criticized Republicans after the U.S. Senate blocked bipartisan legislation that tied tougher border restrictions with aid to Ukraine and Israel. Mr. Biden expressed his disbelief at the result, which came after Democrats agreed to most Republicans' demands on the border. He blamed threats to legislators from Donald Trump, who had opposed the bill. And new research shows men who take erectile dysfunction medication may unintentionally be reducing their risk of Alzheimer's disease. Researchers examined the medical records of roughly 270,000 men with erectile dysfunction and found those prescribed the drug were 18% less likely to develop Alzheimer's. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The Lunar New Year fireworks display will light up the sky over Victoria Harbour on February 11th. Starting at 8 p.m., the display will be visible from a large area of the city. People should be considerate and mind their safety in congested areas, keep venues clean, and respect public property. Try to use public transport and take note of special traffic arrangements. Vessel operators should pay special attention to marine safety. The Lunar New Year fireworks display will light up the sky over Victoria Harbour on February 11th. Starting at 8 p.m., the display will be visible from a large area of the city. People should be considerate and mind their safety in congested areas, keep venues clean, and respect public property. Try to use public transport and take note of special traffic arrangements. Vessel operators should pay special attention to marine safety.
You're listening to Backchat on a Thursday morning with me, Janice Wong, and Mike Rouse. And this morning, we're talking about cancer awareness and whether the recent cancer diagnosis of Britain's King Charles will encourage more people to get potentially life-saving checkups. So what about you? Do you get regular checkups or screening? Why or why not? Do let us know what you think. You can call us on 233-88266 or WhatsApp us on 68998518. Joining us on the program now is Dr. Eric Lam, Senior Medical and Health Officer for Disease Prevention at the Department of Health. Good morning, Dr. Lam. Good morning, Janice. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, Can you uh, first tell us about uh, the cancer situation in Hong Kong? Are there more cases or or has it been uh, about the same over the past few years? Oh, thank you, Janice, for your question. If we uh, take a look at the statistics of the uh, Hong Kong Cancer Registry, in uh, 2021, there were about uh, 38,000 new cancer cases in Hong Kong. So on average, we are talking about we have uh, 105 people being diagnosed with cancer every day. And uh, cancer continues to be a top killer in Hong Kong. There were more than 15,000 registered deaths due to cancer in 2021, accounting for about uh, 30% of the total deaths. And uh, it's also worth noticing that it's two years in a row that we saw more women diagnosed with cancer than men. Among the new cancer cases in 2021, women outnumbered men by about 500, and the ratio is about 103 to 100. Previously in 2011, the ratio was uh, 93 to 100. Right, and uh, hello? Hello. And uh, not not only uh, has the number of uh, women uh, cancer cases surpassed uh, men, I, I was like looking at uh, the the government's uh, statistics. the The number of women with cervical cancer has actually increased as well, right? That's right. Not only are uh, 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 the cases of cervical cancer is increasing, the cancers of the breast is also increasing. And in fact, for women, the five leading cancers in two thousand twenty one were cancers of the breast, lung, colorectum, uh, uterus, and uh, thyroid, accounting for about 65% of female cancers. And for men, the top five cancers were cancers of the lung, colorectum, prostate, liver, and stomach, comprising around 65% again of all new cancer cases. Dr. Lam, what do you think is uh, the reason for the surge in female cases? Well, this is something worth noting, and I honestly do not have a, a definitive answer to that. But one thing for certain is that there is no single reason to explain this situation. You know, I have just alluded to uh, breast cancer is the most common cancer among women, and we actually saw a persistent increasing trend in the age-standardized incidence of breast cancer over the past two to three decades, and this. Uh, 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 the, the, the increasing trend is also observed in some other gynecological cancers, such as cervical cancer. And these may partly explain why the female cancer incidence has been increasing over the last, few, uh, 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 over the last uh, uh, past years. Is this a general worldwide phenomenon or uh, unique to Hong Kong? Well, we have seen uh, for cervical cancer, we actually saw 
a similar phenomenon in uh, some countries such as Japan where the uh, surgical screening coverage is actually not quite up to the recommendation by the World Health Organization. And in some other countries, uh, say for example in Western developed countries where the screening uptake is uh, uh, good, uh, they actually uh, 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 don't quite observe such an increasing trend in surgical cancer incidence. Right. What, what can, there are different things. Doctors, I hear advertisements from time to time that women can feel themselves and check for lumps and so on. Um, what, are, what other things can women do? Well, I mean, for, when, when it comes to uh, prevention and control of cancer, we always uh, talk about uh, 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 adopting a healthy uh, lifestyle. So even though we are talking about cancer as such a deadly disease, According to the World Health Organization, 30 to 50% of cancer is preventable. So we uh, stress the importance of adopting a healthy lifestyle to reduce the risk of developing cancers throughout their lives. A healthy lifestyle includes avoiding tobacco and alcohol. We know that tobacco smoking is a major risk factor for cardiovascular diseases, respiratory diseases, and more than 20 different types of cancer. And inhaling secondhand smoke can also harm the health of non-smokers as well. And the second thing is that we should avoid alcohol. You know, alcohol affects the central nervous system, digestive system, and other body systems, and also increases the risk of many cancers. And in fact, the International Agency for Research on Cancer also lists alcoholic beverages as a category one carcinogen, the same category as tobacco. And three, we should maintain a balanced diet. A balanced diet includes eating more fruits and vegetables and reducing the intake of fat, sugar, and salt, which can reduce the risk of obesity, cancer, and even some other uh, uh, non-communicable diseases. And the other thing is regular physical activity, such as walking, cycling. There is a lot of evidence out there saying being physically active can reduce the risk of developing and dying from cancer. And in fact, doing more physical activity can not only prevent cancer, but also brings us various health benefits. For example, it can prevent and control uh, chronic diseases such as uh, diabetes and hypertension uh, and so on. And uh, 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 we can also prevent development of cancer or increase the likelihood of better treatment outcome by undergoing regular cancer screening. Right. So if you learn early, you can treat early and, and, and it's cheaper and better for you. You're not suffering a lot be before it kicks in. That is, that is correct, Mike. What do you think is the reason so many people are reluctant to get tested regularly? Well... There are many reasons out there explaining why the uptake of cancer screening, for example, uh, uh, surgical uh, screening is low. One thing is that people may find that they don't really need that. And the other thing is that they may find surgical screening embarrassing. They may find uh, 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 that, uh, for instance, they don't have any symptoms, they don't have any family history, so they don't need to go for surgical screening. But one thing that I want to stress is that any women aged uh, 25 to 64, whoever has had sex, should undergo regular screening. Despite uh, uh, having uh, been vaccinated against HPV uh, 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 after uh, uh, menopause and uh, with no symptoms, you should go for regular surgical screening. And in fact, when it comes to uh, cancer screening, uh, the government adopts an evidence-based approach. 
So we are trying to encourage the public to undergo screening for uh, 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 some cancers, including cervical cancer that we have been talking about, colorectal cancer, by providing highly subsidized services if there is robust evidence that screening will bring more benefits than harms to the public. So for the uh, cervical screening program, we encourage women aged 25 to 64 with sex experience to undergo regular screening. And under this program, the maternal and child health centers of the Department of Health provide subsidized screening service to eligible women. Uh, those women who wish to receive uh, cervical screening at the maternal and child health centers can schedule an appointment through their 24-hour hotline, 3166-6631. Once again, 3166-6631. It's a 24-hour booking hotline for cervical screening under the Department of Health. And more information about the cervical screening program can be found in our program website, Right. And Dr. Lam, I mean, you've been stressing the, the importance of uh, getting a regular screening. Um, how important is it uh, to, to catch cancer early? I mean, what, uh, uh, what difference will it make uh, in terms of survival rate and, and, and treatment? Sure. Well, if we, if we uh, take a look at uh, the example of cervical cancer, right? Uh, cervical cancer, it's a cancer arising from uh, cells in the cervix, which is located at the lower part of the uterus. And uh, almost all cervical cancers are caused by persistent infection with one of the uh, cancer-causing or high-risk, if you will, human papillomavirus HPV types. Now, HPV is the name of a group of viruses that includes more than 150 genotypes. Around 40 of these viruses infect the genital area, and some types of it can cause pre-malignant changes and uh, cancers of the cervix. While HPV infection uh, 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 can be cleared uh, by our body on our own, some women with persistent high-risk HPV infection will develop abnormal cell changes in the cervix, and these changes will uh, uh, can develop into cancer over years. But it's a fairly long process for persistent HPV infection in the cervix to become cervical cancer. So what this means is that cervical cancer can be preventable through, one, vaccination against HPV, before any sex experience, and two, because it takes a long time for cervical cancer to develop, so there are chances that we can pick up precancerous lesions by regular screening before these lesions progress to cancer. So if we are talking about uh, the uh, difference in uh, uh, treatment outcome of uh, different stages of cervical cancer, one thing that I can share with you is that according to some data, uh, for stage 1 cervical cancer, the uh, five-year survival is up to 90%. However, if the cancer has progressed to stage 4, the five-year survival uh, dropped to about uh, 10% only. So this underscores the importance of regular screening so as to pick up right. lesions early. At what age would you advise men to start this program of screening for various things? Well. For uh, men, uh, I would encourage them to participate in our colorectal cancer screening program. Under this program, asymptomatic people aged 50 to 75 are right. advised to undergo screening tests every two years in the private sector for preventing colorectal cancer. And more precisely, participants would attend a medical consultation provided by 
a primary care doctor and take a fecal occult blood test, they can detect small amounts of blood in the stool. And even if they are invisible to the naked eye, they can be picked up in the lab. If the results turn out to be positive, then the participant will be referred to a colonoscopy, which is also, again, subsidized by the government. If the result is negative, the participant can repeat screening uh, two years later. And if uh, you want uh, more information about this program, uh, you can uh, uh, browse the website called colonscreen.gov.hk for more information. Do you suppose, Dr. Lem, that when people reach a certain age, they become philosophical and say, well, I've had a good run, you know, if I'm going to get something now, uh, so be it. But uh, I, I'm, I've I had enough of these tests. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it's always a good idea for uh, individuals to talk to their doctors about their need and approach for screening. But uh, 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 one thing I want to stress is that advancing age is uh, one of the important risk factors for most cancer types. You see, in 2021, if you look at the age group under 30 years, the incidence rate for cancer was less than 50 cases per 100,000 people. Then if you look at those aged 45 to 49, the incidence rose to 360 per 100,000. And if you look at the age group 65 years and older, the incidence further went up to over uh, 1,100 per 100,000. So as you can see that uh, uh, as one uh, age, the uh, chances of getting cancer uh, goes up. And in fact, over half of the new cancer cases uh, in 2021 occur in people aged 65 years or over. Okay. So uh, 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 given this uh, phenomenon, uh, if uh, the current demographic trends continue, we can expect a notable increase in the burden of cancer among the elderly in the coming decades. All right, that's a kind of interesting, uh, Dr. Lam, because you're saying um, the number of cancer cases increases as you get older. Um, but, but our earlier guest, uh, Alex Lam from Patients' Voices, he, he also pointed out that uh, he, it seems like the, the number of cases involving younger people is also increasing. Is that, uh, is that true? Uh, I, I, I would like to know uh, which type of cancer that is being referred to because I, it, it's uh, difficult to just pinpoint, uh, in, uh, it is difficult to generalize the uh, age-specific incidence of cancer uh, 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 and then come to a conclusion that uh, younger people are getting more cancer. All right, uh, all right, Dr. Lam, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us on the program. That's uh, Dr. Eric Lam, a Senior Medical and Health Officer for Disease Prevention at the Department of Health. It's now 9.47, and uh, in a moment, we'll look at a study by a green group that says we're using too many lysi packets. The new law to regulate tenancies of subdivided units is now in force. Each regulated tenancy is for two years. The tenant is entitled to renew the tenancy once. The rate of rent increase on renewal must not exceed the rate of change of the relevant rental index of the rating and valuation department and is capped at 10%. The landlord cannot charge non-permitted expenses and must submit a notice of tenancy. For inquiries, please call 21508303. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 and have your say.
A study by Greeners Action has found that Hong Kongers hand out more than 320 million red packets every year, and a majority of them can't use up all the licensee packets they receive for free. To tell us more about this study, we're joined on the line now by the group's senior public affairs officer, Beatrice Sue. Good morning, Ms. Sue. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, can you tell us more about your findings? Um, actually, we have um, launched the survey nine years ago in 2014, and we found that actually 335 million of uh, Lexi packets were used in 2014. But when we launched the same survey again last year, which means uh, which means 2023, and we found that the Lexi packets distributed. Uh, slightly dropped to 321 million, but uh, it's a slight drop of uh, 4% only, like compared with nine years ago. And partly we think because it is uh, due to the COVID-19 uh, COVID in 2023. So uh, people decided not to visit uh, more um, of their, maybe having more CNY gatherings during um, the pandemic. So we saw that there's a slight decrease of the distribution of Lysi packets. Um, uh, we think that uh, actually uh, people are more aware about using uh, Lysi packets. So we see there's a drop, but the drop wasn't significant at all. Are you worried then that with all the restrictions, COVID restrictions gone, that there could be another surge? in the number of packets? Uh, we cannot estimate at the moment because uh, we'll see if we have another survey on that. Uh, but we think that uh, distributing likely packets is actually one of the tradition. So uh, we understand that people are still used to distributing uh, like a, a real likely packets, but we hope that uh, people are more aware of that and they would uh, stop buying new ones or getting a new ones, and instead they may think about reusing it or maybe recycling it so that um, that could save more lifey packets. Whoa, people don't want to give or receive second-hand <laughs> packets, do they? I mean, you want people to have good luck in the new year. Yeah, uh, we of course, we are not asking people not to distribute lifey packets because we think it's actually part of tradition. That's why we launched uh, uh, Lifey Packets Reuse and Recycling Program in 2009. I think so. That's pretty long time ago because we hope people to aware of that. So we actually collect used uh, Lifey Packets from the public members. And we have a selection of these Lifey Packets and then we redistributed them to uh, public members again. So uh, currently we're actually distributing the uh, used and selected Lysi packets. And the next step we are going to do uh, starting from uh, February 19, which, thank you, I have a chance to, to talk about it. Uh, starting from February 19, that we're actually collecting these used Lysi packets from the public. So uh, we are actually having another round again. Right, but refurbishment doesn't sound that nice. I mean, can you, can you collect them all, I agree, and, and pulp, pulp them and and whatever, turn them into new packets? Uh, we're actually not turning into new packets. Like, after we collected these Lysi packets from public members, we will look into whether, you know, there are some traditional uh, Lysi packets may have their surname or may have some, you know, uh, having rabbits or maybe dogs, like, you know, the Chinese dogs on, on the Lysi packets. So 
we actually will select all these packets away because we want the public members to reuse it, not just for this year. If they can't use up all these legacy packets, so they can reuse it the next year or maybe next after next. So that's why we uh, we encourage the public members like to not to send us any like um, legacy packets with uh, very special designs, like having surnames or maybe Chinese sausages. And yeah, so that we can ensure that people can reuse it again. Right. So, so how is the LIC reuse and recycle program going? I mean, it's been uh, going on for 15 years. Uh, what's the trend like? Are more people willing to use these uh, uh, these uh, recycled uh, LIC packets? Yeah, I think we've also asked the same question in our survey. And we saw that actually 60% of uh, public members uh, of the, of, I should say maybe our respondents, they're willing to use these recycled legacy packets. And of course, there's still room for improvement. Um, and we saw that from our figures, the uh, number of people, uh, public members getting the legacy packets were actually increasing uh, like in earlier years. But we saw it's uh, dropping uh, in recent years, probably because number one, it's that uh, people are actually um, going for electronic life maybe. And the second thing is that some people may already go traveling outside Hong Kong. So we see that the number of uh, life packets were actually a bit dropping. I was going to ask you about the electronic uh, life mm-hmm. packets. Um, how does that work? Uh, I am not sure like what the trend is like uh, because we haven't done the survey on that yet. But we think that, and we saw that uh, there are some people discussing, and we saw that there are some um, platforms that are actually using more, you know, electronic lifey. And of course, we're happy to see we're happy to see that because, like, we've been talking about, like, actually, a lot of trees has. Uh, have to be cut down for, uh, you know, creating these lifey packets. So, of course, we're happy to see that people are, uh, you know, distributing uh, e-lifey packets. But, you know, since, you know, it's a, for some people, like giving out real lifey packets is a tradition for them. And that's why we, that's why we said that uh, we encourage people to recycle and reuse them if you still insist to, you know, distribute real lifey packets. How, does, how would someone send me? An electronic lycee. Does it turn up in my bank or my octopus card? How, how does that work? Well, I think as far as I know that it could be if it's a, a kind of uh, electronic platforms and maybe it's transferred to your account as far as I know. Right, and uh, I just want to ask, uh, earlier you said uh, 60% of your respondents are, are willing to use uh, recycled uh, LIC packets, um, but what about uh, um, shopping centres or other retail uh, outlets that are giving out uh, LIC packets for free? I mean, I mentioned that in the introduction. Is that a, yes. How big a, a problem is that? Okay, um, thank you for asking about this. And uh, we actually asked... Uh, the, the respondents, like how they get these lycee packets. And you saw that we ha- they had different ways of getting lycee packets, but free distribution of lycee packets were still taking 39% um, of the other ways of getting the lycee packets. It's a drop, like I think around 7% point compared with 2014, but still it's just the main, um, the main way of getting lycee packets. And so among them, we can see that uh, banks and uh, shopping, uh, shopping malls and uh, public estates, uh, maybe like just uh, living estates, like they are the main source of distributing these free lycee packets. 
And we found that uh, although there are many ways of getting these Lexi packets, and like uh, 78% of them actually couldn't use them all. So how would they go? It's uh, with a question that we asked. Like, if they couldn't use up all these free Lexi packets, like, how are we going to deal with it? And the happy things that we see that uh, 50%, which means half of them, will reuse it or reserve it for their family members for, for reusing. And it's actually 2% point increase compared with 2014, which means that people are more aware of reusing the uh, Lexi packets. And the second is that like 23% of them would like to recycle them, uh, which means that they're going to toss into the the uh, paper recycle bin and they're going to recycle it, right. which uh, we're, we're actually okay with it. And But of course, we still encourage people to reuse it. And only thir- uh, what, uh, 17% would dispose it directly to the litter bin. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a difference, isn't there, between if, if a bank gives me 100 I see packets mm-hmm. and I only distribute 50 of them. All right, keeping 50 for next year is mm-hmm. is one thing. At least it will still be new next year. Um, but uh, the second uh, the idea of using recycled packets, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'm not Chinese enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said that... Um if you have to reuse the packets, you have you may have to pay attention. You know, like if the Chinese sausage, like, you know, it changes every year and it recycle. It's a cycle for every twelve years. For example, if you've I, got I a, know, I know the cycle. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm a mouse. Oh really? <laughs> Same for me. <laughs> yes. That's like if you've got a, a lightly packet of a mouse. So maybe some people may may maybe so so care about it. Oh, are you distributing the old lightly packets for me? So. <laughs> I'm not sure about, you know, some people may ask about this question. So are you going to reuse it again 12 years later? So that's why when we got uh, the, the Lifey packets from public members, when we collected, that's why we don't encourage them to, you know, give us those with a uh, right. very specific Chinese stocking right. so and, that they could reuse it. Yeah. Right. And Ms. Sue, I mean, you, you have this uh, Lycee Reuse and Recycle program to encourage people to reuse their um, used Lycee. But what about, I mean, will you be, uh, what, what sort of action will we be taking uh, towards uh, retail outlets or, or banks who, who give out uh, free Lycee packets? I mean, will you uh, talk to them, try to persuade them to give out less? What, what will you do? Actually, part of our um, Lycee Recycle Program, uh, of course, we distribute the, the, the reused Lycee packets. And on the other side, we actually were cooperating with um, the uh, you know commercial sector. And we, um, we encouraged them to sign a charter with us. And if they could reduce uh, printing, you know, the number of Lycee packets by 10%, and so they will uh, receive a kind of certificate from us. And we see that actually uh, the situation is improving. Like the commercial sector are actually printing uh, less, you know, uh, Lycee packets, and this, the design are getting more simplified. But still, you know, when we're looking at the outside, you know, the world outside, like, you know, there are some companies printing very fancy designs. Like one of them we saw was a voice recorder uh, attached to, to the Lycee packets. And, you know, there are some 3D designs, you know, and these are all not available for recycling because uh, the material for creating the Lycee packets is too complicated and they couldn't be recycled. All right, Miss Yu. Unfortunately, yeah. we're out of time. We have to leave it here for now. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on the program. That's uh, Beatrice Su, a senior public affairs officer from Greeners Action. Many thanks also to you who uh, commented or, or emailed us today. And of course, to our producer, Raphael. 
Andrew Work and Rainbow Lowe will be back tomorrow with another edition of Backchat.